Chapter Nine of the Night Horseman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Night Horseman by Max Brand. Chapter Nine, Battle Light. O'Brien pressed close to Barry. Partner, he said rapidly, "You're clear now. You're clear of more hell that you ever dreamed. Now climb that hoss of yours and feed him leather till you get clear of Brownsville." And if I was you, I'd never come within a day's ride of the three B's again. The mild brown eyes widened. I don't like crowds, murmured Barry. You're wise, kid, grinned the bartender. A hell of a lot wiser than you know right now. On your way. And he turned to follow the crowd into the saloon. But Jerry Strand stood at the swinging doors watching, and he saw Barry linger behind. "'Are you coming?' he called. "'I got an engagement,' answered the meek voice. "'You got another engagement here,' mocked Strand. "'Understand?' The other hesitated for an instant, and then sighed deeply. "'I suppose I'll stay,' he murmured, and walked into the bar. Jerry Strand was smiling in the way that showed his teeth. As Barry passed, he said softly, "'I see we ain't going to have no trouble, you and me.' and he moved to clap his strong hand on the shoulder of the smaller man. Oddly enough, the hand missed, for Barry swerved from beneath it as a wolf swerves from the shadow of a falling branch. No perceptible effort, no sudden start of tensed muscles, but a movement so smooth that it was almost unnoticeable. But the hand of Strand fell through thin air. "'You're quick,' he said, if you was as quick with your hands as you are with your feet. Barry paused, and the melancholy brown eyes dwelt on the face of Strand. Oh, hell, snorted the other, and turned on his heel to the bar. Drink up, he commanded. A shout and a snarl from the further end of the room. A wolf, by God, yelled one of the men. The owner of the animal made his way with unobtrusive swiftness the length of the room, and stood between the dog and a man who fingered the butt of his gun nervously. "'He won't hurt you none,' murmured that softly assuring voice. "'Hell, he won't,' responded the other. "'He took a pass at my leg just now and damn near took it off. Got teeth like the blades of a pocket-knife.' "'You're on a cold trail, Sam,' broke in one of the others. "'That ain't any wolf. Look at him now.' The big, shaggy animal had slunk to the feet of his master, and, with head abased, stared furtively up into Barry's face. A gesture served as sufficient command, and he slipped shadow-like into the corner and crouched with his head on his paws, and the incandescent green of his eyes glimmering. Barry sat down in a chair nearby. O'Brien was happily spinning bottles and glasses the length of the bar. There was a chiming of glass and the rumble of contented voices. "'Red eye all around,' said the loud voice of Jerry Strand. But there's one out. Who's out? Oh, it's him. Hey, O'Brien, lemonade for the lady. It brought a laugh, a deep, good-natured laugh, and then a chorus of mockery. But Barry stepped unconfused to the bar, accepted the glass of lemonade, and, when the others downed their firewater, he sipped his drink thoughtfully. Outside, the wind had risen, and it shook the hotel, and carried a score of faint voices as it whirled round the corners and through cracks. Perhaps it was one of those voices 
which made the big dog lift its head from its paws and whine softly. Surely it was something he heard which caused Barry to straighten at the bar and cant his head slightly to one side. But, as certainly, no one else in the barroom heard it. Barry set down his glass. Mr. Strand, he called, and the gentle voice carried faintly down through the uproar of the bar. "'Sister wants to speak to you,' suggested O'Brien to Strand. "'Well,' roared the latter, "'what do you want?' The others were silent to listen, and they smiled in anticipation. "'If you don't mind much,' said the musical voice, "'I think I'll be moving along. "'There is an obscure little devil living in all of us. "'It makes the child break his own toys. "'It makes the husband strike the helpless wife. "'It makes the man beat the cringing, whining dog.' The greatest of American writers has called it the imp of the perverse, and that devil came in Jerry Strand and made his heart small and cold. If he had been by nature the bully and the ruffian, there would have been no point in all that followed. But the heart of Jerry Strand was ordinarily as warm as the yellow sunshine itself, and it was a common saying in the three bees that Jerry Strand would take from a child what he would not endure from a mountain lion. Women loved Jerry Strand, and children would crowd about his knees, but this day the small demon was in him. "'You want to be moving along?' mimicked the devil in Jerry Strand. "'Well, you wait a while. I ain't through with you yet. Maybe—' He paused and searched his mind. "'You've given me a fall, and maybe you can give the rest of us a laugh.' The chuckle of appreciation went up the bar and down it again. "'I want to ask you,' went on the devil and Jerry Strand, "'where you got your horse?' "'He was running wild,' came the gentle answer. "'So I took a walk one day and brought him in.' "'A pause. "'Maybe,' grinned the big man, "'you creased him? "'For it is one of the most difficult things in the world "'to capture a wild horse. "'And some hunters, in their desperation "'at seeing the wonderful animals escape, "'have tried to crease them, that is, they strive to shoot so that the bullet will barely graze the top of the animal's vertebrae, just behind the ears, stunning the horse and making it helpless for capture. But necessarily, such shots are made from a distance, and little short of a miracle is needed to make the bullet strike true, for a fraction of an inch too low means death. So another laugh of appreciation ran around the barroom at the mention of creasing. No, answered Barry. I went out with a halter, and after a while Satan got used to me and followed me home. They waited only long enough to draw a deep breath. Then came a long yell of delight. But the obscure devil was growing stronger and stronger in Strand. He beat on the bar until he got silence. Then he leaned over to meet the eyes of Barry. That, he remarked through his teeth, is a damned lie. There's only one way of answering that word in the mountain desert, and Barry did not take it. The melancholy brown eyes widened. He sighed, and raising his glass of lemonade, sipped it slowly. Came a sick silence in the barroom. Men turned their eyes toward each other, and then flashed them away again. It is not good that one who has the eyes and the tongue of a man should take water from another, even from Jerry Strand. And even Jerry Strand withdrew his eyes slowly from his prey and shuddered. The sight of the most grisly death is not so horrible as cowardness. 
and the devil, which was still strong in Strand, made him look about for a new target. Barry was removed from all danger by an incredible barrier. He found that new target at once, for his glance reached to the corner of the room and found there the greenish, glimmering eyes of the dog. He smote upon the bar. "'Is this a damned kennel?' he shouted. "'Do I got a drink in a barnyard? "'What's that dog doing here?' And he caught up the heavy little whiskey glass and hurled it at the crouching dog. It thudded heavily, but it brought no yelp of pain. Instead, a black thunderbolt leaped from the corner and lunged down the room. It was the silence of the attack that made it terrible, and Strand cursed and pulled his gun. He could never have used it. He was a whole half-second too late. But before the dog sprang, a voice cut in. Bart! It checked the animal in its very leap. It landed on the floor and slid on stiffly extended legs to the feet of Strand. Bart! rang the voice again, and the beast, flattening to the floor, crawled backwards inch by inch. It was slavering, and there was a raving madness in its eyes. "'Look at it!' cried Strand. "'By God, it's mad!' And he raised his gun to draw the bead. "'Wait!' called the same voice, which had checked the spring of the dog. Surely it could not have come from the lips of Barry. It held a resonance of chiming metal. It was not loud, but it carried like a brazen bell. "'Don't do it, Strand!' And it came to every man in the barroom that it was unhealthy to stand between the two men at that instant. A sudden path opened from Barry to Strand. "'Bart!' came the command again. "'Heel!' The dog obeyed with slinking swiftness. Jerry Strand put up his gun and smiled. "'I don't take a start on no man,' he announced quite pleasantly. "'I don't need to. "'But, you yellow-hearted hound, get out from between. "'When I make my draw, I'm going to kill that damned wolf.' Now, the fighting face of Jerry Strand was well known in the Three Bs, and it was something for men to remember until they died in a peaceful bed. Yet there was not a glance from the bystanders for Strand. They stood back against the wall, flattening themselves, and they stared fascinated at the slender stranger. Not that his face had grown ugly by a sudden metamorphosis. It was more beautiful than ever, for the man was smiling. It was his eyes which held them. Behind the brown a light was growing, a yellow and unearthly glimmer, which one felt might be seen on the darkest night. There was none of the coward in Jerry Strand. He looked full into that yellow, glimmering, changing light. He looked steadily, and a strange feeling swept over him. No, it was not fear. Long experience had taught him that there was not another man in the three B's, with the exception of his own terrible brother, who could get a gun out of the leather faster than he. But now it seemed to Jerry Strand that he was facing something more than mortal speed and human strength and surety. He could not tell in what the feeling was based, but it was a giant, dim foreboding, holding dominion over other men's lives, and it sent a train of chilly weakness through his blood. "'It's a habit of mine,' said Jerry Strand, "'to kill mad dogs when I see them.' And he smiled again. They stood for another long instant, facing each other. It was plain that every muscle in Strand's body was growing tense. The very smile was frozen on his lips. When he moved at last, it was a convulsive jerk of his arm, and it was said afterward 
that his gun was all clear of the leather before the calm stranger stirred. No eye followed what happened. Can the eye follow such speed as the cracking lash of a whip? There was only one report. The forefinger of Strand did not touch his trigger, but the gun slipped down and dangled loosely from his hand. He made a pace forward, with his smile grown to an idiotic thing, and a patch of red sprang out in the center of his breast. Then he lurched headlong to the floor. End of chapter 9